whistleblower report exposing lies, deceptions, and all that has assaulted our way of life. We must take back our freedom and live as God designed in a free America that honors our Constitution and our Creator. Our experts in medicine, ministry, law, military, environment, and education empower us to grow together as a nation. such a time as this, the Whistleblower Report offers truth and solutions. Welcome to the Inside Pharma Whistleblower Report. This is Dr. Lee for America with our international team of pharmaceutical inside pharma consultants, Headley Reese and Cheryl Granger from the UK. And as I've said in previous shows, Inside Pharma is a report that we bring you to explain what's really going on in this big black box of Big Pharma and what are they doing under the radar, behind the scenes, inside the black box that affects your health your safety, and the risk that you may be exposed to when proper disclosures, proper safety oversight, and proper quality control in manufacturing is not taking place. And in addition to what we'll be talking about today with the latest big pharma push that really is concerning in the UK and likely coming to America as well, down the road. We've also been reporting on the fact that Big Pharma is buying up many smaller, reputable, high-quality vitamin manufacturers and supplement manufacturers and changing the ingredients to ones that are lower cost, more synthetic ingredients, and perhaps things that are not being disclosed, such as nanoparticles that have been part of the toxicity of the experimental gene therapy COVID shots. All in all, Big Pharma is assaulting us and our health in ways that most of the public has no idea what's really going on And that's why our Inside Pharma consultants are the ones to shed light and open this black box and expose for you to understand what is really going on. Headley Reese has been a pharmaceutical manufacturing supply chain and distribution consultant for 40 years. He's worked for Big Pharma and he's worked as an independent consultant advising many pharmaceutical companies on maintaining quality control and safety in the manufacturing, supply chain, product sourcing, and distribution. And now we're seeing all of those standards go by the boards and not being followed. Cheryl Granger is a pharma insider 
who has been unearthing shocking revelations about the industry that she has spent a career proud to serve. Her deep dive into the AstraZeneca injections and the damage they were doing has been shocking, but it has been critically necessary. So now, today, they are here to bring you what's the latest coming down the line and what's happening in the UK that has some very ominous, ominous uh, foreboding events that, that potentially affect all of us around the world. Headley, thank you and Cheryl for joining us today. And I'll let you take it away and you and Cheryl bring us up to date about what's happening in Stevenage Town Center in the UK that has has you and me as a physician very alarmed about the safety of the public. Um Thanks, Dr. Lee. Um, yes, it's it's me who lives quite near <laughs> to T- Stevenage Town Centre. So this is kind of don't want this in my backyard. Um, well, I, you're going to have to tell us what's coming to your backyard that has you as a pharmaceutical insider expert so concerned. And I think that will help everyone understand what people need to be watching for. So yeah. thank you for being here. Thank you. So um, basically, in 95, the stately home up the road sold off a lot of land for Glaxo to build their research and development um, uh, facility, which Headley will tell you didn't produce anything. It was a bit of a white elephant. And that meant that they've now got this science park um, being planned. Um, so in that, um, they're trying to take on the cell and gene therapy. Um, which is something we've become a little bit more familiar with with the COVID-19 vaccines, but these can be individual um, preparations as well. Um, But we're talking about genetic material. Um, So what we have already got is what's called the Stevenage Bioscience Catalyst, and that consists of the cell and gene therapy catapult, which is a building that's on the Glaxo uh, land, um, and then we have um, 40 new startup um, companies who are going into um, that area. And then in the middle of Stevenage, which is being redeveloped, we had a, a Marks and Spencer's that was pulled down and had a car park in front of it. And on the three sides of the car park, they built flats and um, commercial buildings and uh, they're five stories high. And then all of a sudden, this uh, brown building, it's not the prettiest building, the brown building arrived. And this is the uh, Autolus uh, building, which is called the Nucleus. And this is Autolus, which is a, a pharma con- company, uh, their head office um, uh, for manufacturing. So they're going to be manufacturing um, about 2,000 batches of treatments that will be used in uh, clinical trials. Um, by various com- uh, companies, um, and this will produce 400 jobs. The whole thing um, was funded up to £66 million, so obviously Stevenage was quite happy for it to come in. Um, and it's basically a 70,000-square-foot building that's over four floors. 
but I would not like to be an owner of one of the flats looking at this building and everything that's coming in and out of there. And that's what I want to try and make people aware of. Um, so they're they're involved in immunotherapy. So that's um, producing immuno um, system modulators. So what they're trying to do is take T cells, which are immune cells, which people have been told about over the last few years, uh, reprogram them in order to fight cancer. So they're trying to alter the genes inside the cells so that they can target cancer um, and then destroy that cancer cell. That's the, the basis of it. Um, and what they're um, doing is called CAR-T-cell, uh, C-A-R-T-cell. That's a, a chimeric antigen receptor for cancer. Well, that gets very complicated, doesn't it? But basically, um, a chimeric is something that is made out of uh, two sets of DNA from two different organisms, which, again, starts being a bit sci-fi and a bit worrisome. Um, so we've got this nucleus building in the centre of Stevenage. Um, and it was, what I don't understand when you read about it, is it's based on a hope. They've got this uh, OBE cell, O-B-E-C-E-L process. And this process, um, it says they hope that it's actually going to make um, the process safer and improve clinical activity. They're hoping it will. So this building at 66 million has been put up there in the hope that the process they're going to use will work. So um, they don't have anything other than, as we say, a wing and a prayer and hope. No, no. That's right, Headley, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, they've only ever done phase um, early stage uh, preclinical work. They have, do have some going into phase one but they're still recruiting for those studies so actually there's about another eight to ten years left to get anything to market if it worked at all i i should give some background here to, to health sharon knows this but in 2017 fda approved a car t therapy called kimria marketed by novartis now i consulted on that project in 2000 2013 to the company that makes the drug substance for that product. It's a lentiviral vector. It's exactly the same technology as was used for the AstraZeneca uh, vaccine. And they also, this company also produced uh, the AstraZeneca vaccine as well. Companies called Oxford Biomedica. Now, uh, in the last few months, uh, FDA has sent a warning letter to Novartis on this exact product to their Morris Plains facility, which actually does the finishing operations, uh, explaining how badly uh, an inspection had gone that FDA inspectors had carried out. Now, for FDA to send a warning letter, you know, in the olden days, if we call it that, companies would be shaking in their boots and, you know, people would be losing their jobs and there'd be major panic. So that's ongoing at the moment. FDA have said they've met with the company and they still aren't satisfied with the, with the answers. They've got some of the answers basically were saying, well, it was an emergency, so we had to do what we did, which we now know is, 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 is completely false. So I, I think there's a huge mess, message of hope there. 
it seems to me that FDA is back on the offensive after three years of CDC actually elving them out of the way. We know FDA in years gone by have always been the gold standard in inspecting facilities and awarding licenses. And this looks as if FDA has become wise to the risk of these therapies. So the one that Cher is talking about in Stevenage is very is this basically the same thing. And the supply chain is so complex and so difficult, the chances of getting these to market are almost nil because they are what they call autologous therapies. Autologous means it's patient-specific. So one treatment uh, is only for one patient. And Kimria was $475,000 at launch in 2017. It hasn't been selling. You know, none of these gene therapies, these autologous gene therapies have been selling because how do you make money charging one patient $470,000? You're not going to have a very big market. Uh, and in my estimation, that's why the whole industry turned to vaccines to turn gene therapies into vaccines. So instead of having a market of one, they've had a market of millions, which we all know, and you know, $80 billion for Pfizer in 2001, that was really giving investors what, what they were looking for. But the, the wheel has still been turning. These companies are still pushing gene therapies. And this, what's happening uh, in Stevenage and with the cell and gene therapy catapult, they are, they are pushing this whole thing. We've got the, the, the Stevenage biocatalyst and it's taken on a life of its own. I think Shara is doing phenomenal work actually highlighting this and bringing it to people's attention, especially the people of Stevenage. Yeah. Yeah. And, and one of the things that we've got to consider is we, we're talking about targeting cancer cells and they're targeting in particular T cells that have got just accepted its CD19 binding domains. And when we look at that CD19, it's basically expressed on most uh, B cell tumours, but there's no strong evidence that it's actually linked to contributing to B cell um, carcinomas. So they're actually trying to target something that hasn't been proven to actually be linked to the cancer in the first place, which kind of blows my mind. I don't, I don't get it. Um, well, that it, to me as a physician, that's staggering because hmm. normally you would have worked out the scientific process in basic science experiments and then animal models long before you try to bring a, a drug to humans. I mean, this is, is stunning. Especially when you're actually spending a fortune on your building, whether it be right in the middle of Stevenage or not. Um, but in terms of um, uh, the FDA and uh, uh Camera, um, they have basically um, started talking about um, creating malignancies, T cell malignancies, because of the treatment. So they've picked up on the fact um, that in clinical trial, um, they're actually seeing um, hospitalization and death as a result of these treatments. 
um, and they say they've got a potentially imminent need for regulatory action. So as um, Henley was saying, they've woken up again. Um, and the other thing, of course, is because these things are targeted at very small numbers, then the clinical trials have got small numbers in them. So you're basing all your information on perhaps 200 people, um, which is not uh, right. Um, so this is um, something that um, the FDA have noted, and they're actually saying now that they're instructing that if you're on these treatments and you get the presence of a new uh, malignancy, then samples should be taken and tested for what's called the uh, CAR, the C-A-R, transgene, to see it's been caused by the treatment. So the, once again... Like we've seen with the experimental gene therapy shots widely given to humanity around the globe for COVID, when it didn't prevent COVID, it didn't prevent transmission, and they have been deadly and dangerous, we've seen the turbo cancers arise in patients who've gotten the COVID shots, and that's across all age groups, young children, adolescents, young adults, and older people, it, it, it's really been a, a horrific rise in these aggressive late-stage turbo cancers. And that's clearly, clearly linked to the gene modifications that are occurring after the COVID shots. There have been a number of well-respected scientists who've worked out that mechanism. And so now you're saying that these new gene therapies that they are rolling out without any scientific proof and basically based on just hope that it might work, that those also have the potential to cause cancer when they're being marketed as a cancer treatment. Did I get that right? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, I used to teach a, a problem solving and decision making course and you went to great um depths to actually define your problem correctly there's yes. no point trying to solve your problem before you know what it is and that's what they're doing here and they've been wrong so um, and, and, like and wrong and causing death that's what's even more yeah. outrageous yeah. and damaging to people yeah yeah so um so this building is up and running and um we don't feel or i don't feel we've asked the question, are we safe in Stevenage? Because um, we've got potentially hazardous chemicals and biological materials that are coming into the town centre. And then they will be leaving it to travel nationally and perhaps internationally. So it's things like uh, lipid nanoparticles will be coming down the motorway from Staffordshire. Um, and gene and cell products are transported, as Headley will, um, has told me, at 190 degrees C. They're in liquid nitrogen transportation. So there's, there's these things going up and down the motorway. You've no idea what's passing you. Um, so we need to find out some information. And that's what Headley and I are doing in terms of a freedom of information, um, because we need to know um, about the compliance with the control of substances hazard to health regulations. Um, we need to know about whether risk assessments have been done. We need to know about safety procedures uh, to contain any contamination, whether they're in place. We need to know um, whether they can provide assurance on containment of any biohazard um, that's produced by the manufacturing process. Are they in place? 
um, and basically risk assessments um, on the cell and gene therapy manufacturing within a residential large town arena. Has that all been done? And then how are they actually going to be um, assessed in terms of uh, good manufacturing um, uh, uh, process? So are they actually working to GMP? Have they been assessed and reassessed? Have they actually been assessed virtually? Um, they're very uh, keen in their write-ups on this to tell you how green the building is because it was made in pods. The pods were made miles away in Newcastle and brought down. So, of course, it's green. They didn't manufacture anything there. They manufactured them ages, you know, miles away. So it's all very peculiar how they're actually uh, responding to this. Um, but um, we've got lots of different things being tried. So um, we've got the CAR uh, T cell therapies being used now on uh, solid tumours. That's what they're going to try next. Um, we also have self-amplifying COVID vaccines, which is abbreviated to SARNA, that makes copies of itself inside cells and is supposed to be a lot better than the um, uh, uh, modified RNA in the vaccine. Well, I would say that those are probably better at harming people. Self-amplifying COVID gene therapy shots amplifying themselves over and over in your body and producing more spike protein and heaven knows what else based on the contamination that's been documented that yeah. fi i find that a terrifying thought and then of course we've got moderna having an arrangement with our uh, uk hsa health security agency which used to be called public health but they got into bed they got amalgamated public health with track and trace and with our biosecurity agency. So it now became the UK Health Security Agency. And the lady, um, Dame Jenny Harris, that um, basically heads that up, is basically a spy. You know, it's 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 mad. Um, and that is to cement um, a 10-year partnership that's going to happen with Moderna. And they're going to aim to produce 250 million vaccines um, from a new innovation and technology centre. So it's happening everywhere. And they're, they're then going to lead to um, dealing with one company, Cryoport, which is, a, a you've got them in the States, they're in 48 locations around the world, and they want to uh, service the, the cell and gene therapy catapult in the UK. They're trying to establish the first global supply chain logistics centre in the UK. That's Stevenage again. Um, so that they can supply all the bits and bobs that are needed to produce these um, manufactured uh, goods. Um, and as I say, they will be moving things around uh, to get to Stevenage. And this this complex in Stevenage, um, the building that's the catapult and the um, autolus nucleus building, they're actually forming the third largest uh, gene and uh, cell and gene therapy um, group third largest in the world so we're now a global player and we're actually being sponsored by the government to make this happen um so turning the small town of stevenage in the uk into the third largest global manufacturing for big pharma on these experimental really gene therapy 
products means the risk of exposing the that whole region of England to all these toxic chemicals. You think and, and it doesn't sound like that there's any education for the public about no. what's really going on. No. Um, they uh, The local council, through the papers, the local papers have been singing its praises because it brings um, money and um, employment to the area. That's what they push it on. Um, so they're selling the idea that money and employment is what people should be focused on instead of the risk of death and destruction. Yeah. It's the bottom line, really. Yeah, that's why you used to do clinical trials so that you could make sure you didn't get to death and destruction because right. well, exactly right. And, and they're not they're just bypassing all of that. You know, I've I find this just so appalling. It's difficult to as a as a professional used to the proper safety standards in place for you in your field and me and mine, I, I just find this so shocking and so upside down topsy turvy in our normal way of business and professional development of new products that it's it's really alarming, which is why I wanted to do this whistleblower report. Let's take a break here and we'll be back right after the break. And speaking of good manufacturing practices, I want everyone to know that those of us on the medical team and primarily my concern for bringing reputable, high quality, safe nutraceutical and vitamin products to people to treat all this damage or to help restore your health from all of the damage of the experimental treatments, we have located and vetted a, a vendor in the United States that actually complies with the good manufacturing practices and is certified after stringent inspections for meeting those good manufacturing standards. In the United States, there's no regulatory required oversight for supplement manufacturers. And so this company that we have contracted with, because I'm a licensed physician and they only sell through licensed medical practitioners, because I am licensed and have an active practice, we have a contract with them to produce the private label products sold to benefit the public charity. So at least I can bring to you a reputable, high-quality product in our store that is following good manufacturing practices. And I encourage all of you to check out www.truthforhealthstore.com. I am taking these products myself because I know that I can turn to a reputable source. And that's what I look for for my patients. And that's why I'm recommending them. So please take a look at our store and we will be right back after the break. Check out the new Truth For Health store at 
truthforhealthstore.com. We have exclusive professional formulas with exciting new products, including True Mitochondrial Boost that can help improve your energy, memory, focus, and concentration. All of our products are manufactured in certified compliant facility using good manufacturing practices approved and inspected by the FDA. Check us out, www.truthforhealthstore.com. Welcome back to the second half of the Whistleblower Report, Inside Pharma, a look inside the big black box of Big Pharma and what they're doing in the darkness and the shadows that you're not told that can affect your health. With me today are our Inside Pharma experts, Hedley Reese and Cheryl Granger from the UK. Both have a career working with the pharmaceutical industry in the areas of manufacturing, supply chain, sourcing, and quality control, quality control in the distribution, and compliance issues. And both of them have been exposing the massive violations that have gone on in the last four years since the rollout of the COVID-19 illness, and then the experimental COVID shots that have not been safe, not effective, and in fact, have caused skyrocketing deaths in all of the highly vaccinated countries. The latest calculations by independent scientists are that we have seen 17 million people around the world killed from the COVID shots and skyrocketing cancers, turbo cancers, late stage, aggressive, not responding to treatment. We've just done a series on that for Faith Over Fear. All those programs are archived on our website, looking at innovative treatments that are available for the turbo cancers. And we've been doing a whole series of programs for the last year and a half on ways to mitigate the damage from these experimental COVID shots. So please check out our resources in addition to listening to our experts today about what is coming with more experimental gene therapy products that are risky and don't have the proper safety oversight by the regulatory agencies. So Cheryl and Headley, go ahead with all that you have been exposing about what's happening in the UK and the role of what's happening in America with the companies that are trying to bring all of this to our shores. I mean, one of the most incredible things to me is as the products have got more serious, the amount of time they actually research it has shrunk. So the MHRA is now so pleased with the fact that it wants to um, give licenses out within 100 days. Um, and that seems to be the same around the world. And we're that, not, That's not, impossible, Cheryl. That's you know, what that, 
But that's what they did with the uh, mRNA. And I the, know, and look at the damage from that. Yeah. Would you like me to talk about the um, uh, COVID-19 uh, vaccines that have been... Uh, so this is the AstraZeneca that's been taken to court. Yes. Uh, yes, yeah. let's hear about that. And, so this, and I'm, just, I'm just emphasizing for our listeners how urgent it is that people pay attention to what you're saying. A hundred days is a little over three months when normally these complex medical products that affect people's lives and health should be developed over eight to 10 or 15 years. It is, it is so shocking and so appalling I want to emphasize that for our listeners, people should be outraged about this. Yeah. So go ahead. Now that now that I've had well, my a- rant about the enormity <laughs> of what you're saying, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, um, it was in the Telegraph. It was announced uh, 9th of uh, November that uh, Oxford AstraZeneca um, COVID nineteen vaccine had been branded defective. So um, that was within the meaning of our Consumer Protection Act that goes back to 1987. So this was a multi-million pound landmark legal action. And what it's basically doing is saying that um, we've got, um, when the AstraZeneca vaccines were rolled out, a new condition was identified. And it's actually very well named because it's vaccine-induced immune uh, thrombotic thrombocytopenia. So it gets abbreviated to VITT. But vaccine-induced is in the name. So you can't argue with it. And this was, it was a Professor Marie Scully, who is a consultant hematologist, who saw that they um, triggered a antibody that was involved in producing clots. And then as she tried to let our people... Um, in charge know what was happening like Chris Whitty and Patrick Balance other people in other countries Germany and Norway had the same sort of thing showing through so this was recognized and so in this court case there's two test people two test cases a VITT um, and that's being brought before a class action takes place so we've got Jamie Scott who's 44 and he suffered a significant permanent brain injury um, unfortunately, because of catastrophic bleed on the brain. And this is what the um, thrombus does. It tends to affect the brain um, after receiving the AZ vaccine in April 21. And then the second uh, test case is a widower of a 35-year-old who died after, again, having the vaccine in April 21. Um, And um, they're claiming 5 million. I know compared with some of the the damages claimed in the States, that might not seem very much, but they reckon that there are 80 people who will be part of this um, class action and it will be about 80 million that they will be going for. And they're called the VITT legislation group. Yeah, Cheryl, for our American listeners to put that in perspective, the numbers in millions may sound a little lower than what we hear in the United States. But remember... America, this is in pounds sterling. And roughly, you can ballpark double that number to consider what it would be in a court in the United States. So 5 million pounds would be roughly $10 million, recognizing that the exchange rate changes all the time. But 
it 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 is a significant amount and it's a very significant court case. So yeah. I just wanted to add that, Cheryl, for our American audience. Yeah, and it's based on what I started querying um, with the um, authorities because we have an ABPI code of practice for the pharmaceutical industry, a code of practice that the industry is supposed to work to. And that is actually uh, administered by the uh, PMCPA, um, which is um, the Code of Practice Association. And they ruled that AstraZeneca had breached, um, which clause 6.4, if anybody's interested, that was the use of the word safe. And that was in a press release on December the 2020. And then the PMCPA also ruled that AstraZeneca had breached, that's clause 6.1, um, by failing to disclose the absolute risk reduction. I don't know whether you ever saw that table that went up from the Lancet's information. So AstraZeneca was supposed to have a relative risk reduction of 66.84 and that went down to 1.28 if you looked at the absolute risk reduction which the uh, code of practice says you have to use because the relative risk ratio exaggerates the effect that you're getting so absolute is the reality of it and all of them had no effect but virtually it was um one point the 1.28 and less so um, basically, um, there's lots of things come out, uh, like um, Matt, Matt Hancock, um, he's quoted in the information on this, is saying that uh, the data so far in this vaccine suggests there will be no adverse reactions. How on earth anybody can say that to any drug? Um, and so no liability. And then he authorised indemnity uh, for the AstraZeneca vaccine. And at that point, it was accounting for 58% of our um, reporting of side effects, our yellow card reports and deaths. So 58% of those were um, from the one treatment. Um, I also know that June Rain, another dame, um, uh, she is the CEO of our regulatory agency, the MHRA, that's 86% funded by pharma. Um, and she actually said in a lecture in November 2022, um, I know this because it formed the basis of an FOI I did on pregnancy and what she was spouting forth on pregnancy. But what she also said is that the MHRA is looking at 300 cases of VITT, thrombocytopenia, and they're looking at them genetically. And they're trying to work out how these injured people should have been managed in the first place to reduce their risk of this happening. So it's not the treatment that's causing you to have a problem. It's your genetic makeup that needs altering to allow you to take the medication. Oh, that's abs absolutely absurd. That's the way we're going, because we're trying to get our DNA off everybody. Uh, we're trying to um, put it in the uh Genomic UK, uh, Genetics UK, we're trying to get lots of um, test results and what have you put into um, a big um, uh, box so that we can analyze people. So and let that... me put the let me put this in the bottom line language and see if I'm correct. AstraZeneca and the powers that be that want to perpetrate this crime on humanity and provide toxic shots for people are saying that the reason that people have these complications from these shots 
is that there's something wrong with the person's DNA. Therefore, it's not the um, AstraZeneca that's saying that, it's the MHRA. Well, that's even worse. The regulatory agency that's supposed to hold the pharma, some company accountable, is saying that basically it's the patient's fault because of their genetic makeup that they had this complication. Therefore, we have to alter human DNA to fix the people so that they can take the toxic shot. Is that the bottom line that MHRA is saying? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's just, this is nightmarish. And we know that the Pfizer and Moderna document analysis, which I can say a bit about, that is actually um, showing that both Moderna and Pfizer vaccines produced VITT as well. So it's not just AstraZeneca. Um, well, I, I've seen it in my patients. Um, I, actually, soon after the, the shots rolled out, I had a number of patients that had been healthy and had no problems. I mean, I monitor their CBC at a minimum, usually every six months. And I had patients whose platelets, thrombocytopenia is a drop in platelets, which are critical parts of the of our our blood components that help to reduce bleeding and hemorrhage and death. And so I've I ended up seeing a number of patients within a couple of weeks of getting their COVID shots in 2021 whose platelet count dropped to critical levels. I'm talking down, I mean, the normal count is should be between 200,000 and 400,000. And I had patients who dropped down to 10,000. Right. And, and I'm sitting there, I'm not a hematologist. And so I was trying to get them to a consult with a hematologist to consider whether they needed a transfusion of platelets. Yeah. And no one was taking it seriously. It, it was... Very alarming to me. Headley, you had a comment? Yeah, if I could just add, just going back to Novartis and the Kimria product, um, the side effects of that are well known on the package insert. The two deadly side effects are neurological toxicities and cytokine release syndrome. So it's known that they have these side effects. There is a warning on, uh, there's a strong warning on there, and there's a procedure that they have to go through, Novartis, before they can actually administer the, the, the product to patients. But those side effects are very similar to the gene therapy injections. And we know that the same company makes the uh, product for Novartis as they do for AstraZeneca, the drug substance. That's an adenovirus or lentivirovirus. They're both uh, viral vector delivery systems. And so FDA will, will, will have data on that, and they should know. And it looks as if they are digging into this. And um, this is one possible route to salvation, if you like, if FDA actually prove these therapies across the board have got these associated side effects, no matter who makes it, how how they make it, 
et cetera, et cetera. I just wanted to chip that in. No, that's important. And when you say these therapies, are you talking about the CART-T therapies or the COVID experimental gene therapies or both? I, both, because the only gene therapy that's been uh, normally approved is the CAR-T. There's been no other gene therapy that's proven to work. And CAR-T works in rare blood cancers. So to talk about solid tumors, about having uh, efficacy with solid tumors is complete nonsense because it's not even been proven that the CAR-Ts work. And we know that these patients are so ill, it takes two to six weeks for the, their cells to go to the manufacturing uh, company to be genetically modified and then sent back to the hospital very often they've passed away because they were in such a, a low condition at the start. start. So the data on these uh, uh, CAR-T therapies um, is very poor and they've just converted these into the vaccines because obviously they could make a lot more money if they were selling them to the masses rather than just one patient at a, at a time. And moving over to the solid tumours, there's a lot more of them around. So they're actually trying to expand the market. But it states um, in what I've been reading that about 38% on immunomodulators don't survive the length of the follow-up because they're so ill in the first place. Um, you see, what, what keeps being thrown at us is how many lives these um, vaccines have saved. And I keep seeing the AstraZeneca has saved 6 million lives globally. Well, there were three uh, billion doses of AstraZeneca given out in 180 countries. Um, and I don't understand how they can actually say they save lives when they didn't stop transmission. They were in negative efficacy and therefore they didn't stop infection, hospitalization and deaths. Well, you know? and they're not even addressing the fact that they've caused millions more deaths. Yeah. I mean, you can you can manufacture a number and make up a number in fantasy land that you've saved 6 million lives, but is anybody talking about the fact that maybe they've killed 10 million people? Um, well, I interviewed Ed Dowd the other week and <laughs> he's showing our ONS data. So he's showing our UK data back at us about excess deaths and what have you. Um, and it's off the charts. I mean, the standard deviation is black swan and beyond. Um, so it's, now explain it's not, what you mean by black swan for people who haven't heard that term. OK, so you've got a normal distribution curve, which a lot of people understand, and you've got the medium in the middle. And if you want standard deviation, that's either side of that medium, 68 percent of your um, uh, points that make up that graph would actually be uh, one standard deviation. Two standard deviations would be 95% of your points on the graph. Um, if you get to 99.9, .9, you're at three uh, standard deviations. But 3.8 standard deviations is so unusual. That's the chance of being struck by lightning um, in um, your lifetime. Some of these standard deviations that Ed was talking about, it looking at our figures, are 10, 15, 16 standard deviations. They're so highly unlikely um, to have, have occurred. Something's happened to make them occur. And we know. What yes. Yes. Thank you. And that's exactly right. 
Ed Dowd has been sounding the alarm on this just tirelessly. And it's based on actuarial data from yes. the insurance carriers who are processing the claims and for the, the deaths. Thing, yeah. The other thing in our country is that we've got very good NHS data in how many people are sick in the NHS in terms of workers. So workers' illness is gone through the roof, which might be a reason why we can't get any treatments ever, Headley. Um, <laughs> excuse me. Um, but also um, we've got not just the um, excess deaths, um, we've we've actually got PIP data, as it's called, which is uh, personal independent um, payments, which are what you apply for when you get uh, disabled. And since mid-2021, that's gone off the scale. Their standard deviations are black swan again. And what Ed was pointing out is our government won't be able to um, help people with disability anymore because we're going to run out of money. So there are lots of ways that you can measure this. Um, and, um, you know, there's lots of information that will be used in this trial. Um, I mean, it's, when is it's the not, trial set to be heard in court, Cheryl? I've not found that out. I don't know. I don't know whether they know yet. Um, OK, but I can I can let you know that when that um, actually happens. Um, so hopefully this will make it to trial and hopefully we will actually have this data read into the record part of the problem is there's such a lockstep censorship in the mainstream media that the public doesn't hear these reports yeah yeah well that was in the telegraph so that was a lot of people would have seen that and it was quite a few pages of, of coverage but I'm trying to get, which we've done, um, I'm working with the Pfizer document analysis, um, which is now Moderna as well. And um, we've managed to work with Naomi Wolf and Amy Kelly um, to summarise all the reports and put them on UK column. And what we're doing is, I mean, I've read through 92 reports. It's quite soul-destroying, to be perfectly honest. Um, and Chris Flowers, who's the medical director of the whole thing, he um, had words with us. They've now got uh, Report 89, and Report 89 is showing that they buried, literally, 38 people in their data. So 38 people died that they didn't declare, and that was at the time um, of elections, and they didn't want to actually show the true nature before they were going to go for the EUA. So they suppress that information. And what um, uh, Chris Flowers has done is they've done a peer review of the data. So it's the first time they've done a peer review. And they basically say that that is now um, a, a bla black letter, they call it, but with black swans and black letters. Um, and that is basically black uh, letter evidence of fraud, uh, which means, you know, you have to think about what we need to prove to prove fraud. This is it. So there are lots of things being done. Um, and I mean, what I'm trying to do is make wake people up. I don't want people to take any more um, mRNA because there's 230 um, mRNA products in clinical trial at the moment for cancer and infections. I don't want them to have any more because the whole effect's accumulative. We know when people get um, to the boosters, there's problems quite often. 
So what we're trying to do is waken people up, but show them um, what they can do um, by putting them into contact with a control group, which looks at um, registering your health data and they have support groups. And also we're trying to recommend treatments like you're saying, uh, Dr. Lee, um, I'd like to talk to you about your treatments and that we can recommend them to people. Well, and I would like very much to do that. What we can do is actually have a program with the three of us talking about the classes of damage that occur, what you are seeing in the data and what I'm seeing clinically, and then some of the classes of supplements, nutraceuticals, and medications that actually can help repair the damage and help restore people's health. But the other problem is that people need the diagnostic blood tests done to identify the markers of the inflammation and the clotting disorders and the thrombocytopenia and all of this. I mean, these are routine blood tests I've been using for 40 years and they're all available. And yet doctors are refusing to do them because it seems that they've been directed not to do the test, the blood test that would identify the problem when it can be treated early. And that's perhaps the subject for our next show. And I, I really am just appalled at the data that, and the disclosures that you're bringing from Inside Pharma. And that's why this program is so important. Cheryl, I thank you for your tireless work on this and your dedication to the truth. Headley, thank you for your tireless work over many years and your dedication to the truth. And both of you, I'm honored to have you on our team for the Whistleblower Report, and we will have you back again very quickly. I want to wish everyone a very Merry Christmas and Happy New Year in spite of the ominous information that we have an obligation to bring to you. You cannot fight evil if you do not first expose it. But in this Christmas season, as I wish all of you God's blessings on your lives and your health, remember God is sovereign. God is in control and he gives us the power of our free will to refuse these experimental shots and treatments and to use our free will and our mind to learn the truth and take a stand against evil. So time to speak out, time to get involved, and time to take charge of your health and get the truth before you decide to take an experimental treatment. This is Dr. Lee for America, and we will be back with another whistleblower report. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing our work. Please sign up for our email alerts and newsletter at www.truthforhealth.org. And if you have been injured by the experimental COVID gene therapy shot, download our vaccine injury treatment guide 
for all of the ways that you have available to help you restore your health and resilience. God bless you all and thank you for listening.